Hey, everybody. This is Jacqueline Kitzman. This is the Awaken Tarot Podcast. Um, And I have another really great interview today with Sarah Beck, the writer and illustrator of the Tarot Deck Mess, which is such a great interview. And I'm very, very, very excited for you all to hear it. Um, And I just had the best time talking with Sarah. So um, this is the (laughs) this is the current event section. And um, I've not been super looking forward to this one. This last week, there was a shooting in Nashville at the Covenant Elementary School, a Christian private school that teaches grades, I believe it's like kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, Devastating. Six people died, seven including the shooter. Of course, AR-15s were involved. There's a lot of misinformation going on in the news about it, so I want to take a second and correct some things that are confusing. Um, One, the news is reporting the name is Audrey Hale, but I believe that they actually went by the name Aiden on social media. His pronouns are he, him. Yes, he is a trans man. The publications, many publications are using she, her pronouns. Uh, it, it is neither confirmed. It, it's not confirmed that that Aiden went by Aiden, but he did refer to himself on as Aiden on social media, and I don't um, want to dead name him. Um, there are some suspected motives, but no known motive. And, and by the way, like the motive, whatever the motive is, no matter how traumatic it is, or hard it is, or awful it is, like it does not excuse killing anybody. It, so while I am attempting to do my due diligence, not perfectly, but my due diligence in using his most accurate name to the best of my knowledge and accurate pronouns to the best of my knowledge, um, that those are human rights. I'm not sitting here displaying a whole bunch. I'm not displaying sympathy. I'm giving respect in the way that I can. Unfortunately, trans people are being targeted across America right now and the fact that this shooter was a trans man and the fact that the GOP's most popular defense about gun reformation right is that like people kill people guns don't kill people and um it's a mental health issue not a gun issue and they're going to conflate Aiden being transgender with mental health and we already knew they were going to use this and it's it's unfortunate right because Aiden did a really big disservice to the trans community by making the target on the back of the trans community even bigger than it was. It's fucking awful on so many different levels because of that now bigger target, but also because six people were murdered by him. Three children, three adults. One of the adults was just a substitute teacher. One of the children was going to pull a fire alarm to warn the other people in the school and this little girl was shot on the way to do that and then a little boy on his attempting to move her body was also shot and killed it's a it's a tragedy it's a travesty it's a tragedy and it is and it is one regardless of how you spin it if the motive regardless of what the motive was regardless of the trauma that happened to Aiden regardless of whatever happened to him in his childhood, taking it out on, it's just devastating all of it. The school is, the school was 10 minutes from where I work. 
My employer works at the hospital the children and the families were taken to. She said the ER was just full of devastated, sobbing, screaming people. It is a, it is very, very difficult. It was difficult before I had a baby. It's difficult now. It's hard to watch when it's a city thousands of miles away from you that's experiencing this tragedy. And it is a, and it is devastating when it's a school 10 minutes away from where you're at, 10 minutes away from where your nanny kids go to school. And um, I have worked in childcare for fucking forever, y'all. And I have babysat so many kids in Nashville and I have nannied for so many children. And I panicked before I got the list of names. Just, I mean, it doesn't, and, and you know, like, was it a child I've, I've watched? Is it a child I've cared for? Is it a person I know? And it turns out it's, Barely a relief to know that I didn't know anybody. Barely a relief. The question now about mass shootings in America is not so much if it happens to you, but when it happens to you, when you're going to be in the right place at the right time, when you're going to be in a target and someone bitter and pissed off with the world comes into the target, whether you're at a concert, if you're at a movie, sitting in a school, getting gas, at a parade these things shouldn't be risky it shouldn't be parents should not be terrified to send their children to school anxious every single day children should not be anxious we are we need gun reform i mean i could there's just no reason for it you're not going to take down the american government with an ar-15 you're not you might think you are but you're not going to you don't need one so you can say that people kill people guns don't kill people but then why are we designing a gun that can murder a lot of things, obliterate them in mass quantity. And then why are we making it so easy to get? You know, the other argument people use is, well, uh, the criminals will still find a way to get guns illegally. Yeah, you know what? Really dedicated criminals are going to find a way to do that. A criminal would have to figure out how to get to the dark web to find somebody selling that. You can't just type in www.darkweb.com and make your way to a website that's selling illegal AR-15s. Does it mean that they can't enter a school with a shotgun or a handgun? No, they absolutely could. But it's going to slow them down. It's going to slow them down. And the fact is that we know that gun reform and banning assault-style weapons has worked in other countries, yes, Germany just had a mass shooting a few what a few weeks ago, a month ago, but it's the second one in like decades. America has had 134 mass shootings this year since January. It is April. It is April 2nd. That's entirely too many. Do you want to know how many we had last year? Over six. Germany has had two in decades. Yes, terrible people are going to do terrible things, but it is proven that gun reform works and we do not need AR-15s because an AR-15 is going to be used exactly for what it was created to do, which is kill a lot of things at once. And I know that I'm yelling into it to an echo chamber for the people that love this podcast. And I know that this is just fucking long and I'm sorry. But I, I worry for my nanny kids every single day. I worry for my daughter and I am privileged enough to be in a position where 
I'm a nanny and I can take my child to work with me and I have a degree in education and I can teach, I can homeschool my child. And it is a privilege to be able to have that because not every parent can afford to stay home. Not not every household can afford to do that or even has the resources, especially if a child has special needs that only specific school counselors or specialists can provide. Not all of us have that luxury and I am privileged. So I'll get off my soapbox about it now. Um, you know, of course, we have a lot of other stuff happening. Donald Trump has been indicted. He will be arraigned. Um, he'll turn himself in this Tuesday. The war in Ukraine is still going on. Putin is making... He is going to start storing nuclear weapons in Belarus, which is not good. Does it mean that nuclear weapons are going to be used? No, but it's a threat. Moving around nuclear weapons is a pretty big threat. So it's something I would keep my eye on. There is a revolution still happening. A woman read a woman led revolution in Iran that you're not going to hear about on the news. But people are um, five girls who were dancing without their hijabs um, on a roof, just dancing to the song song Call Down that Calm Down that I believe Selena Gomez is featured in. Are I believe they are still missing. Donald Trump being indicted is super great. It's the one bright fucking spot in this whole thing. Not that I'm thrilled he committed a crime, but the fact that He's getting a he's getting indicted and, and arrested is pretty fun. Also, there have been some incredibly devastating tornadoes that have ripped across the country this week, um, and then Friday night, dozens of dozens of death, dozens of people injured um, throughout like Arkansas, Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee. We Gabriel and I were very fortunate. Us in Nashville were very fortunate. We had some strong weather, but nothing. Nothing like we had in 2020, and I I don't believe that we had any loss of life here and or any mass destruction here from any kind of tornado, but that's not the case for a lot of cities right now, specifically Little Rock, Arkansas. That's one that I know off the top of my head right now. Um, just gutted for you, Arkansas. Um, unfortunately, um, Nashville can empathize with what it is like to see your hometown and your friends' homes and the restaurants you visited and all of the places you love devastated by a strong tornado. And and I my heart goes out to you. I will see if I can post, you know, relief, places that people can donate, you know, money for relief and stuff like that. I'll see what I can post to my Instagram. I know that this has been the longest current event section ever. I promise you that the episode you're about to listen to is so fantastic. I, again, like, I could not love Sarah Beck more. Hey, bestie, new bestie. I love you all, and I hope that you're safe and you're doing well. Um, oh, Gabe also does uh, stars and shit, so please be prepared for, like, the world's fucking longest episode. Okay, hey, everybody, it's Jacqueline Kitzman. This is the Awaken Tarot Podcast, and I have a guest with me today. Hey, guest, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. Hi, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. My Hi. name is Sarah Beck. Um, I am an author and illustrator uh, and intuitive witch. And I'm really excited to talk about tarot tonight. Okay. Y'all have no idea how excited I am about this because from the, so to be honest, I have been a little bit of a fangirl of this, of this book since the images first started showing up on Moon Dust Press. Like the second, like that it was first teased, I was like, that's a fucking book I need <laughs> for myself. My daughter can't read it yet, but for me, I need it. And it is one of like, okay, so I want you to say what the book is about, but I want you to know it's fucking cool, you guys. And I think adults should also own it. Um, okay. 
Yeah, Sarah, I'm so excited. Okay, tell me everything about, tell me about your book. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't speak. I told you. Can't, it can't get worse than what I'm doing. I I love it. Um, yes, so it is a picture book um, about tarot for ages, I would say four and up, because as you mentioned, I think... Um, it can be helpful even for adults. Um, but yes, uh, so we're calling it a divinatory primer and it focuses on just the major arcana cards. Um, each card has its own page with a, uh, rhyme sort of explaining. I tried to get the essence of, of each card into a little couplet. Um, to try and make it easy to remember the meaning, you know, like with rhymes and, and little songs like that, like 30 days mm -hmm. has September song. It just gets stuck in your head. So that's yes. what I was going for with the rhyming. And then each card has an affirmation uh, that goes with it. And then uh, the section about the cards is bookended with a little story about a mother and a daughter um, who gets into her mother's tarot card deck and oh. sort of drops it all over the floor. And then they have to clean it up. And uh, they talk a little bit about tarot and what that is um, on either end. And it is based on a true story of my daughter who will not leave my tarot decks alone. Um, I was going to ask. I was going to ask you. I was like, that's a very specific situation. I play with my two-year-old all the time when she knocks my tarot card. She doesn't know what she's doing, but that seemed like a very specific scenario. So I was going to ask you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they didn't, they didn't in the book, all the major arcana like scatter out in this like perfect little spiral. Um, so that did not happen, but yes, she has been fascinated and she likes to, you know, take all the cards out of the deck and line them up. And she's like, I like this one. I don't like this one. Just sorting and having fun with them. It's, it's very cool. And the whole, the whole, like, I, guys, I got to read the book. It's very good. Uh, the whole, like the whole setup where you start off with like the story and then you bookend it with the story is so genius because it feels so cohesive the whole way through as you're going. Like, it doesn't feel like you're reading a, um, like, like it doesn't feel like you're reading a primer. It feels like you're reading a story and the affirmations on it are spectacular specifically the empress and the emperor you combined that as one page together that's got to be like the best way to describe how to separate those those meanings of those cards from gender altogether and the little affirmation you have i want to find it really quick is it okay if i talk about that i don't want to like yes. ruin your book but yeah, i go ahead i want to talk about that one because that is one of the that's one of the biggest issues that people especially especially if they're like not cisgendered or they're gender fluid or they're non-binary like that's a huge thing for them is like working through the genderized cards and i thought that your book handled it so perfectly um so it's got the emperor and the empress it's like two parents and they're kind of sitting down holding like a little child curled up and then it says the empress nurtures, the emperor protects. You're free to decide what your gender reflects. I accept and love. I accept love and respect boundaries. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you. That um trying to figure out how to do how to represent the empress and the emperor was probably the most those were the most challenging cards to handle because 
right? Like it is traditionally the empress is hyper, hyper feminine and the emperor is hyper, hyper masculine. Um, but I, I don't want to reinforce gender roles with kids. They have so much of that all day long. Yeah. Um, so I tried to think about, you know, how would a child see these archetypes and it's probably their parents. Like they are kind of like a yeah. like parental figures. Well, um, and can we talk about the artwork and then I want to get back. I have a, yeah. I, I made a list of questions, but can we talk about the artwork that you chose for that card? Because even the parents in this, they are not like one of them is very androgynous. You don't, you cannot place a gender on them. Can you talk to me about what that process or that creative process was like really quick? Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Oh no, that's fine. Um, I'm just rewinding in my mind to when I was uh, processing through that card. Um, I've had a lot of versions of that artwork. Actually, I had one with like cis, um, a hetero couple. I had, um, some with two moms, some with two dads and, um, yeah, I just ended up with, uh, I guess you can't, what, yeah, one is one, the emperor is, is very androgynous. Um, and I incorporated like the Ram's head on their, their baseball cap. Um, let's see. And then the empress, I have like the stars in her hair and she's wearing a floral dress, but I, I hope that that people can see like the parents that read this can see themselves in these parental figures, regardless of their gender or their family, uh, the composition of their family. That was my hope. Well, even just like the little child, like laying there, like Evie does that with Gabriel and I all the time. She lays in between us and like we both take a side, like one at her feet and the other at her head. And what a beautiful way to talk about like, you know, there's this representation when we talk about like feet, right? Like where we're laying something at somebody's feet, we're laying ourselves at their feet. And to do that with a child is so much like I want to give you the world. And then you have that other one at the head, which is like I'm teaching you thoughts. I'm teaching you how to work in a world and just having both parents at that bookend of that child who is like sleeping almost is just like, I mean, so good. It's so fucking good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, those were, that was a fun one to do. And then for the companion deck, I actually did separate those two archetypes out so they could each have their own card. Um, Oh, cool. I haven't, uh, that that's a newer development. I'm going to, you'll have to share more with me about the, uh, to talk about how you created the deck as we go. And I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to ask you about your history with tarot, how you found tarot, like what, what tarot is like in how, what kind of tool tarot is for your life essentially. Yeah. Um, I think, I just think tarot is, is so much fun. Um, I think I, I started, I picked up my first deck. So I, yeah, I guess, right. It starts before that. It starts, um, in like middle school when I was reading witchy books and, um, they were all fiction and I didn't know that there were like real practicing witches anymore, but I would, you know, like play in my room and I would, I would 
like call myself a priestess and I would sing to the moon and just really silly childlike play. Um, and I definitely got teased about that kind of stuff, those kind of interests, like going in like middle, middle school, high school. So I really like bottled those interests up and pushed them down. And, um, some friends came to visit. This was, I was a full grown adult with a daughter and one of the friends who was visiting mentioned that she was into witchy stuff and that she considers herself a witch. And I sort of just blurted out me too. And then I I was like, wait, where did that come from? Am I like, yeah. Um, so I guess since then, like on that visit, we like went out to our local witch store and we got me my first tarot deck. Um, and so I, yeah, I guess it's just about because that friend was so open and accepting and willing to be themselves. Um, it let me sort of find a a piece of myself that I had pushed down uh, and repressed for a while. So, um, but yeah, tarot, I, I was an English major. I've always loved art. And so it just came naturally to read in images and read in archetypes and read in symbols yeah was that was that yeah i'm curious have you talked about like your tarot history on this part maybe we need to delete this out i feel like i'm like no no you're not this is no you are perfect um i have before it's pretty funny so i as a child was super into energies i've but but i've always seen spirits so i have always seen like spirits or ghosts or strange things like that and i kind of got to a point in young childhood where like i kind of recognize that if you tell people that they'll just ground you from the television because you have an overactive imagination so (laughs) i stopped telling people but i still continued to have kind of these experiences and it kind of became when i met my stepmom um it kind of became like a thing that she and i would talk about because she was kind of like spiritual and i wouldn't say witchy but definitely like super open and she liked crystal so she had a few and i was a kid that like kept rocks in their pocket and like hid them places yeah so, like, my stepmom kind of as a joke for my birthday one of my birthdays got me a tarot deck from like barnes and noble like one of those little like kitschy little like box sets and then i got all of us at my birthday party accidentally way too drunk on tequila because i got one of those pre-mixed things but i didn't know it already had the tequila in it and then i and then i poured like multiple shots of tequila and then we all got very drunk and i read tarot for everybody and it went really scarily well and then from that point forward tarot just kind of became like you know it like uh joke was on my stepmother because it became my entire personality no one was really prepared <laughs> for that um so that's how i got into tarot so i've been reading it for like eight over eight years mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it gave me kind of like a really good avenue to kind of like go in further to like things that were i was already experiencing um but that's how i got into tarot i wish that i'd had it earlier but i grew up very religious and if mm-hmm. i had told anybody that the rose quartz bead that i kept off a bracelet like made me feel happy and i slept with it i probably would have gotten like sent to bible camp mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh now my dad just deals with it yeah yeah <laughs> But that's how I got into tarot. I love when people start super young, when they have access to it, like when they're younger, like 
I'm so like I'm so jealous because you have like such cool access at such a young age to like like college with tarot would have been so much easier. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I unfortunately like I didn't have like the wherewithal and like the the self-esteem to hold on to that through like yeah. through high school and college where it would have been really really helpful. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, we can we can get kids who need tarot into tarot at a younger yeah. age with with the with tarot this sort of thing. I want to talk about the next question. I think this correlates really nicely because uh, it, it, what did I write? I wrote down questions for the, I, I am so prepared for you, Sarah, the first person I've ever <laughs> given questions to. It's such a good fucking idea. I apologize to any other guest I've ever had. Um, so what was it like for you to learn tarot? And then what was that like? How does that coincide with then teaching like children tarot? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think with, with learning tarot, I guess I, I mentioned, um yeah i have always been like neck deep in in books i always have like seven or eight books like on my nightstand like a safety hazard um wait is that a safety hazard right like they could like fall on you in the night i have i'm thinking like fire i have like 40 books i'm not kidding sitting by my bed right now we're fine no no fire hazard just like you could like knock them over and like wake up your your spouse oh no mine are on the floor you know, stub your toe. Um, but yeah, so, so combination of just like consuming like large quantities of literature and then also really enjoying visual art and, um, like thinking in visual symbols made it so that tarot was fairly easy for me to learn. I think a lot of people who do have that disposition to think in images and to think in intuition, mm-hmm. um, they find that that is not as, as valued in our culture as logical thinking, as fact-based thinking. Um, yeah. And so they they don't, they aren't able to develop it, right? Because that's not um, fostered in children at school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somehow... I was able to keep that. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing characters from books and I can really easily pull in connections, um, that help me remember what all the cards mean and think about, you know, where I've seen that in a folktale or a novel before. Um, I also, I love like pulling in just like pop culture or like current events, uh references to like help me process the meaning of cards um you know like when when taylor swift's midnight album came out i had to choose a card for each song yes talk to me about our lord and savior (laughs) 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 when i tell you i love okay yeah i did the same thing i'm you did yeah i did i fucking listen i have adhd so i have stim songs so like midnights was my stim song much to my husband's dismay for a solid three or four months (laughs) (laughs) so i get it (laughs) got it you get it it's very interesting too. So I don't know if you know this, you might, I also made, I majored in English as well. Um, I, but, and then I went back, I got, uh, my associates in English education and then I went back to college. Um, and I focused in creative writing and communication. 
So I really relate to your saying, relate to what you are saying about working with literary symbols and drawing those in and bringing those in. Now I'm learning to draw. I don't draw well, but it, I will say that learning to draw has helped significantly with understanding why an artist would make a specific decision or an illustrator of a tarot deck. Like, why would you choose to do that? Which I find very interesting because you both wrote and illustrated this fucking thing. So just having this like cohesive merging of the two, do you just feel like Superwoman? <laughs> <laughs> I like hey, no, I I want to just touch on the fact you said you you don't draw. Nobody draws well at first. Nobody does. Uh, listen, I so the I went and visited the family I nannied for previously today, and uh-huh. I am notorious for having their youngest child loved monster trucks. And they used to have like a journal where I would write down like when he had his snacks and when he took his naps. And then he would ask me to draw monster trucks where I would just draw like rectangles with little circles. And their dad, who I'm very close with, he was in, he was in my wedding. Uh, he would send me pictures and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this? So then his daughter is an amazing artist, like fucking bananas. So I went to her house today, right? And she like, hold on, I have to show you this because you'll appreciate it. So let's just start off with the fact that I drew this and her eyes are on her forehead. Like there's some good elements to this, but quite frankly, she looks like an alien. This 12 year old taught me about how to like draw a face. Listen, I'm still not good, but tell me that's not better proportion. Oh my gosh, I love that. She did that for me, a 12 year old in like 10 minutes. I know that this is a an, an audio thing, but like Sarah, please back me up. That look how much you look at look at that improvement. My God, no, I um, I have I have drafts of this book that yeah, they like it's the same. Like you could do the same thing with like my first draft of this book and like what I bet, what? I bet it was like I bet it was like little sketches and like things changed, but I guarantee you, none of these children had forehead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the question. I'm so sorry. Um, I love it. We were talking about the merging of like literary and like skills and how that helped you like kind of like discern we're creating this deck and then backtrack us off to forehead eyes. So (laughs) that's on me. Oh my gosh. Um, Yes. Um, So it was, it's fun. Um, So I I also, I like write other children's books. I haven't illustrated. this is the only one I've illustrated, but this Why? one I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did. I felt well. So okay. So when I first sold this book to Moondust Press, it was just as text. Okay. Um, and we actually like had a conversation where, um, the publisher, like in a you know, like very respectfully, was like, you know, I I know that you do art, and you're you know, she we like followed each other on Instagram, and she's like, I've seen all your art. Like, I don't think you're quite there yet is it okay if i just buy you know the text and then i find an illustrator and i was like yes absolutely like i agree like my work is not like book quality yet um so then a few months go by and she's like do you have any ideas for the illustrations or you know do you have like a sense of direction and i was like well i actually like when i wrote it the cards came in words and images together. Um, so I was like, so yes, I have every card 
sketched out. Do you want to see them? And she was like, okay. So we went and we looked, it's called um, a book dummy where, when you have like, you know, all the words like on whatever illustration that they'll go with. And it's all paged out like a little like sketched out book. So we went through the book dummy and she's like, I really like your concepts. Like let's hire, you know, an artist to like color them, like clean them up, improve them. Um, and so we did that. We got some samples back from a couple of artists and I just had, I had like all these critiques and I was like, wow, they made, I think they did a sample of the death card and in my version of the death card, um, the little girl has sort of like a, uh, like a, a hooked nose and, you know, she's kind of short like me and, um, <laughs> Uh, the artist had made her like skinny and, and blonde and like adorable. And I was like, no, I can't. Um, so anyway, so in like the background during all this time, I was taking a lot of art classes and, um, I got a mentor for illustration and the publisher had been, you know, watching my work improve. And she was like, you know what, let's just, let's just do it. I think you should illustrate it. Um, I'm so glad that that happened because I love the illustration. I love the mom. I love how she looks. I was like looking at it like this looks like a, this looks like a mom. This looks so good. She's so beautiful. Like the illustrations are so good. I have like a list of them. I want to tell you about that are like stuck in my head, but I like, I am so happy that you got to illustrate like your concepts for this because it's so fucking good. You guys, it's so good. <laughs> it was a really cool opportunity to be able to, to, to illustrate it myself. And I, I did, I worked, can I swear? Can I, I worked my ass off to get better. Yes, you can fucking swear. Okay. Um, I worked my ass off to get better at art, like for hours a, a day. Um, well, you're an inspiration. <laughs> well, it's just, yeah, it's not like a natural, uh, where, I, where, where I am not like I'm so gifted, but, um, where I am now is not where I was like two years ago. I, I mean, I have been like, so, you know, one of the things that ca that catches people, I think, off guard about like decks and, and picture books in the first place is the art in it. And my, I'm always looking for, okay, is this book diverse? Does this book, is this book like, uh, how are the colors? Like, what are the pictures doing? And like your, your book hits every fucking nail on that. Like it's diverse characters. People look like people like it's not a bunch of perfect people in a book about children who are learning to like it's so good and then like i mean the chariot is a person a person of color out the arms out the top of a car with a sign that says be the change so fucking good <laughs> and these are your concepts it's just so good i like i am very excited <laughs> so i I'm going back to my questions here. Listen, this is the, yeah. this is like super helpful to me. I am so sad. I've not done this before. I'm going to keep saying that. So I want to know what is your, how does, how did your, we've kind of touched on how your personal experience coincided with creating the deck. I want to know if in the creation, this is kind of an on the spot question. So feel free to be like, Jacqueline, we did not prepare for this. But <laughs> Did in the, as you created this deck, did your perception or thoughts on a, on any cards like completely change or evolve in a way that it was significant for you? Ooh, that is a good question. I apologize um, I threw that at you. 
No, not at all. Um, I think that the exercise of, of having to distill this, like each card to me is this massive concept uh, that could, right, that's going to look different from every single person who's reading that card because you're bringing yourself yes. to the card too. So it's just this this huge amorphous concept and having to distill all my and it doesn't capture all my thoughts on every card, but like distill my thoughts on a card into what is each one is like 20 words maybe. And, and a single image. Yeah. Yeah. I really had to think about like, what, how can I jam the most meaning possible into one image and, you know, a couplet, um, any card in particular, I think it's really, all of them. Um, again, I know we've already talked about the Empress and the Emperor, but I spent a lot of time just like thinking about, well, and I guess I think the Emperor was, was tricky. I know a lot of, like a lot of people have been like lowercase t traumatized by the patriarchy and the Emperor can be a triggering card. Um, I think, you know, the same with the devil and with death can kind of be like the scary cards or triggering cards. So I also worked to portray the most positive and uplifting aspects of each card because it is a book for kids and I don't want them to get scared or depressed. So it goes without saying that one, and I talked about this with Andrea, Andy, on her last episode, I talked about the death card and we talked about what a fucking cool card that is. And that episode's coming out tomorrow. The devil is the one that like, it is spot on perfect. Like that is exact. Like I looked at it and I was like, hell yeah, that is like, that is how you would explain the devil to a child. It's so good. Do you want to explain the imagery of it? Sure. Um, yeah. So the, the devil card, um, has a kid like standing, um, in between like two, there are like two doors behind him. Um, and he's wearing sort of like this oversized magician's outfit. (laughs) I wanted, I wanted like the, the, you know, like the trickster vibes. Um, I guess going back to like, you know, background in literature, um, Paradise Lost was like really influential in how I see the devil as not entirely villainous or like, you know, sort of an anti-hero, um, so anyway, so this devil magician kid is holding up two keys. Like you get to pick one key or the other. And behind him are, are two doors. Um, oh, shoot. I meant to look up the name. What is the name of that? those like leaf faces? Is it Janus, the Roman god? The leaf faces? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because the, the guardian of the doors. Yes. Yeah. So um, there's a face. uh on each door and one has its eyes open and one has its eyes closed. Um, and the whole thing is covered in Ivy, but, uh, the concept there is false choices. And, uh, it says safety or freedom. The devil asks you, but are those the choices you're limited to? And, um, it's about sometimes like feeling trapped thinking that there are only, two options and I guess challenging you to think about 
a third path or a win-win situation, the experience of seeing an uncomfortable truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I have, you know, one door with, with eyes open. Um, cause that's, that's painful and it's scary sometimes. Like I know you have your like political and current events, um, <laughs> intro to all the podcasts and yeah, right? like sometimes it's hard to look at that stuff and you do, you kind of want to go through the other, the other door yeah. that the devil is offering you where you can keep your eyes shut and, you know, watch. Yeah watch your TV and be with your family and like not think about everything that's, that's going on with the world, but yeah, you but it's, take, so, it's taking a pill. It's so matrix, right? Like yeah. you can, you can take one pill that's going to keep you inside this, the system or you can take the other that's going to be harder, but it's also going to like actually free you. It's going to take you out of that comfortability, but it is going to free you. And mm-hmm. I, I love, I love this little kid. He's like this giant suit and he's holding up keys and he's so puckish, right? He is so puckish and he's kind of just offering you these choices and he doesn't care. He doesn't care which one you pick. He doesn't care at all. He's just there for the fucking fun of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love that. I love that because that is such a puckish. That's like what kids do. Like they don't fucking care what you do. They just want you to like participate. Mm-hmm. So I love that so much. It is such a morally gray, not good, not evil. It is such a, just like a very gray kind of place to be. And humans have such a hard time living in, living in that gray. Like we are such binary thinkers, but I love this because this kid is in the middle of the doors. Like the keys almost aren't even to the doors. The keys are like for you to hold on to like an mm-hmm. yourself. It's so great. It's just so great that, that this one has like, if you guys ever sell prints, I'm going to get this one printed out somewhere. It's so good. We can gift that to you. I can make that happen. I'm going to hold you to that, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going back to my question list here. I'm sorry. I am the one that keeps taking us off topic, but I'm loving this. Um, so I think I, we kind of tapped on this. What's your favorite card from, from the book in the deck? I think, you spent, you talked about the emperor and empress and you spent a lot of time. Is that your favorite card or? I, yeah, I don't know. What's my like favorite, a favorite like child, child, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually, yeah, I was thinking about this, this question, the, whatever, like the last card that I, that I worked on is, is always my favorite. And the last card that I worked on was um, the emperor all by themselves for the companion deck and um I like it because I I feel like I had unlocked something in the meantime about non-toxic masculinity and what I wanted that to look like um I based the card the the card um is a non-binary person but I I based the personality of the card off of my husband who is a math guy and really enjoys teaching our daughter um, about, like, he talks about investing and budgeting with her and she's only six and it's kind of way over her head, but I just appreciate how, you know, he wants to set her up to be financially like savvy and have resources. And I think if we can take away the, um, imperialist nature of the emperor and, uh, find like what, what is like positive masculinity. It, yeah. That could be one, one aspect of it. And so I enjoyed finding like the really positive 
aspects of, of a tricky card. It is tricky. You know, I, the emperor is one of my favorite cards in the tarot um, because I do not teach it um, very patriarchal at all. Like I acknowledge that that's how it started, but to me, they are such a energy of like Oak trees and like stability and like oceans, things that are always going to be there, but change over time. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, unless like act of God, like the Oak tree in your backyard is always going to be the Oak tree in your backyard, right? Like it might lose some branches. It might need to be trimmed. It might get a little weathered. A swing may hang from it and then a swing may not hang from it, but that Oak tree is always going to be that oak tree in your backyard. So, you know, even those things that are permanent, they can still change. Even those things that are so like structured, they still have this really like supportive ability to, to become different. And what's very interesting is that, you know, we as a human, like, of course we live in like end stage capitalism where everything is collapsing in on itself, like a dying star, but our view of, of what masculinity can be, be or what it can attain or what kind of that emperor energy can attain is so much different now. What we want from that is so much different now than it has been. And we're seeing that reflected in how we raise our children, mm. like what we expect from our partners, what we expect from, you know, those kind of more structured, sturdy people in our lives. <clears throat> and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you would want, you want a parent to have that stable. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the stable emperor energy. I I also um, associate emperor with oak trees, so I love I love oh. that analogy. Oh, it's so great! Oh, I love that so much. I'm excited to see because I've seen I haven't seen the I haven't seen the card for the tarot deck, the emperor, obviously, but I'm very excited to see what you do with that or how it kind of like shifted into its own from a partnership right to its own like standalone thing yeah so super cool and, and you know at the same in the same token the empress as well that card yes. as well yes. what was that division like for you was the empress easier than the emperor to kind of become a standalone no i think it, yeah I, I think i think it was okay and i did i felt like for a deck we i needed to, to separate the two cards um for the empress um, I sort of based her in some, some work that I'm personally doing around fashion magic and, um, showing your true self through how you present to the world without fear. Um, we're going to talk more as, about this since I have questions <laughs> as a way to, to like reclaim your identity, or maybe that's, maybe that's me. Maybe this whole book is just like a big therapy session for me. Um, yeah. So I was thinking about that idea of dressing in a way that some people would might whisper behind your back and be like, she's too much, but you don't give a fuck. And you're going to wear the clothes that make your inner four-year-old feel really good. You're going to miss Frizzle. Um, magic school bus. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I I'm obsessed with that. I am someone that like I am like the poster child for Gap. It just is kind of what it is. It's kind of like my my whole childhood was like I had to fit like a certain mold, so now I'm very comfortable. So my I have a really hard time like freaking out and like wearing patterns or like certain things like freak me out, you know, sensory wise. So I've started doing this thing where like, I allow myself to buy the fucking craziest jewelry. Like I can, and then just wear like giant earrings. Mm -hmm. 
giant rings, wacky necklaces. And that's been so freeing in so many ways. Strange looks about jewelry, but I love it. Flatwoods Fawn, I'm talking to you. I don't know if you've ever seen Flatwoods Fawn's jewelry, but it is like uh-huh. giant and beautiful and like almost like talismans. It's like. so freeing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's so great. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Someday I will. I will embrace my inner Miss Frizzle. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> it's such a good idea because it is, it's like your body's an altar. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there anyway, but yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I like, yeah, throughout my like teens and twenties and probably partway into my thirties. Um, I really dressed to like not draw attention or just like conform or follow trends. And, uh, I think like around the pandemic when I stopped wearing hard pants, um, something just snapped and I was like, you know what? Like, when am I, when am I going to, yeah, feed my inner four-year-old who wants to wear whatever bright, weird, off-trend things? Amazing. I'm going to take fashion advice from you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> take you it do. from your daughter. Your daughter will know. She hasn't, she hasn't, she... um, developed any, any, uh, like filter yet. Right. No, but she also like what my child loves. And this is going to be very, my child loves any, she loves Minnie Mouse. She loves sparkle. She's obsessed with dresses, but she needs them to be really anchored in a dinosaur aesthetic. Like (laughs) she, she needs like Minnie Mouse with a side of dinosaur. Like she wears dinosaur slippers around the house, like with like a big sparkly dress and her hair is like a mess and she's jelly all over her chin that she will not let me wipe away for the life of her. And she looks at me and she goes, mama, kitty petite. That's how she says cutie patootie, kitty petite. And like, so yes, she, she is sounds like, like a tiny miscrible. She's a fashion icon, that little top. <laughs> but you know what? It's fun because as a parent, like I shop for her and like, I genuinely like get like the craziest shit because I know that she'll love it. Mm-hmm. So that is very freeing. I you, you owe that to yourself as well, right? Yes, I'm more my inner child, my poor inner child. So I want to ask. I think you know. So the hardest card may have been. I'm assuming the emperor and empress kind of together, um, or was there a different one? Uh, I I I was going to talk. Uh, yeah, that those were hard. Um, I guess like art wise, I was going to bring up um the star. I wanted to talk to you about the star. Go yes, let's talk okay. about the star. So there's a dancer. Um, and she's fat, and she is dancing on water, and she is holding, um, like two two water jugs, and she has like a star compass above her. And the thing that was really challenging about drawing this this card. i'm i'm oh. pinning in my head this is my this is my neural spicy brain at work i'm that was my i'm pinning compass star in my head to scream about how much i fucking love that oh. because i described the star as a compass towards home so yes like, yes 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 so art wise it was difficult to find that reference drawings and i remember i had a, a draft of this card and i took it to a critique group and they were like Mm, honey, did you use a reference, which is sort of like in, in like an art critique group. That's kind of like some, like an IT person being like, did you turn your computer on? Like, it's like, kind of like, you got to use a reference. And I was like, I literally, I did use a reference. I could not find a lot of reference photos. 
for fat bodies. Um, They just, they're not as, as out there on like free, you know, you have to like be careful because of of, like copyright stuff, but um, like Unsplash and different photo apps, it was, it was more challenging. I have like an app on my phone that I use. Um, It's like a, like a posing app. So you kind of have like this, this little figure and you can, as an artist, like move the figure around so you can like see how a body moves in a different pose, but they were all like very, very thin, like virtual models. Um, so eventually like I, I was able to, to find like some, some better references. And I read some articles about, um, how to draw more, realistic bodies but it is a real issue in the in the picture book world um how few body types are represented um like if you if you look through you know the the library and the children's bookshelves it look it would have you looking through that would have you think that every person on the planet is a size two or a size four yeah um which is just, it's not the case. And I don't want my daughter to go through life thinking that, that like there's something negative about having a, a larger body um, or thinking that, that that's a problem or something even unusual because it is not. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the story of the star. I just, I didn't, like want it to be about size either, but I just wanted to make sure that I, I had different yeah. sizes in this book. She is, I mean, she is beautiful. This card is so beautiful. And she, I mean, long blue hair, just like this gorgeous, like ethereal hair, like so fucking graceful, like that little like toe point, like in the water, like literally walking on water. Cause she's on, she floats in air because it's an air sign. The star. So the star is one of my personal favorite cards. My daughter is a like five planet stellium Aquarius. She's like Aquarius on steroids. The star. So this is kind of crazy. But when I had a dream when I was pregnant with her that she kind of named herself and she used a lot of star imagery, but like Disney star, because fun fact, the North Star in Disney movies is called like they call it like in studio Evangeline. So when they made the princess and the frog, Mabel Evangeline Mm -hmm. is the North Star. Evie is a we didn't know she was going to have the birth chart she did but um she did <laughs> she did she did and she was also born on in bulk this child is witchy as fuck uh conceived on beltane born on in bulk dreams all the way through named herself evangeline and so i love 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 the star card um it's so special so i love to see people's like renditions of it and this one as i was looking through it it was one of the cards that i wanted to like specifically like mention the devil the star so beautiful like so beautiful and she's so graceful and the compass star is so perfect because the north star is like it is it's a compass it's it's a guiding light towards home it frees you like the the harriet tubman story is so whenever i think of the star i think harriet tubman and and this this journey that she was on to help free slaves and bring them bring them north bring them guiding light towards freedom guiding light towards home like this healing that was needed right and the star embodies so much of that. And I just think this card is like another one that I would like. If you guys sell prints, I'm buying a print of this one as well to hang up in Evie's room. It's so perfect. I I think it's so cool that, that like this is something that you taught yourself. You like 
actively taught yourself to do. You just became my like fashion and art mentor, Sarah. <laughs> I'm going to keep you. <laughs> it's so great. So this, if this was the hardest, what was the easiest card for you? Like, what was the card that you were just like, got it? Like Not, none of them, <laughs> none of them. I'm telling you, it was grueling. It's grueling. <laughs> well, that does make sense. It's, was there one that like the imagery was so like, there were like less revisions from start to finish for it. That mm. was like this card, like the concept was pretty solidified going like from the yeah. start. The, the magician, um, it was like, I actually, I have a photo of my daughter that I used as a, as a reference for that one, um, because I wanted to, so, oh, sorry. So I, I forget it's a podcast. Um, you are fine. (laughs) I do too all the time. It's, uh, an image of a little girl, maybe like a toddler, maybe a little older is drawing, um, on the sidewalk with sidewalk chalk and she's drawing the four elements. Um, she's like vines for earth and, uh, waves for water and clouds for air, um, and some flames for fire. And yeah, I got this image from my, um, at our old house in, in Texas, we would play with sidewalk chalk all the time at the age where my daughter was, starting to be able to create representative pictures um as opposed to just sort of like scribbling um I mean I was was thinking about like how how cool is it to be able for her to transform her thoughts and her ideas that she's always had like brewing inside her mind into the physical realm for the first time as above down below (laughs) it's so so great and it's so cute that's like the little the little the little person on discard it is so cute with the little pigtails Ugh. and then of course you've incorporated the traditional smith rider weight vines in the tree Mm -hmm. above above them it's so stinking cute like this is like a very very i mean like you know i don't need to like talk down to you made this deck but this is a very well thought out deck like very well thought out symbolism just on all of the cards like it's such it it like pays such an homage to pamela coleman smith and her work with the smith rider weight while at the same time making it such a unique and fun and relatable experience for kids because kids are absolutely going to be able to look at the like what the magician right and be like oh i totally understand and can relate to wanting to take something in my head like a picture that i've created and bring it outwards like that is a very tangible thing for a child to understand about as above so below even i mean that's even hard for adults right to conceptualize like this idea of manifestation it's not just like putting thoughts out into the world and then you win the lottery it's so much more like being able to have something in your mind and then bring it into fruition like the conceptual is like i want to have a i want to have a baby and then like 3 years later you have a baby that was the as above so below magician work right um so cool i'm a anyway i'm a huge fan the other card i wanted to touch on really quick while i have it it's right here um is the high priestess Mm -hmm. this is another one of the cards that stuck with me i love can i read what you wrote is that okay 
Absolutely. So it says, here's the high priestess with secrets to keep the queen of the shadows whose knowledge runs deep. I listen to my heart. And it's this little girl with like the, the moon face crown holding up a little hand mirror. And then like her reflections coming out of the mirror. It's so good. Can you, can you explain? And I don't, I know this is like another random question, but can you explain your thought process for this card? Yeah, absolutely. Um, her reflection is supposed to symbolize her uh, subconscious and her intuition, um, her intuitive mind. Um, and so gosh, I guess I didn't realize I had two, I have two cards with eyes open, eyes closed to represent things. So the like real life high priestess has her eyes closed to show that she is going inward to listen to her inner voice. Yeah. And then her reflection has its eyes open to symbolize that there are things that you can see um, with your heart and with your inner knowing that you can't see necessarily with your five, five senses. And that face coming out of the mirror, it's like, and those things are just as tangible as you, the person, like your insides and what you believe, they're just as tangible as something that you can reach out and touch. It's so good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> this is like, yeah, it's like wish fulfillment. Like I wish I had a magic mirror that could like, you know, cut through all the bullshit for me and like be, yeah, like be my, my guide, my, yeah. yeah. Be your guide, be that kind of like truth teller, right? Like truth that. Mm-hmm. So this, you'll, you'll get this, this might be a good way to explain it, but kind of like that high priestess energy of like having a character in a story when the, when it's a first person perspective, right. Where that third character or that person comes in and their job is to kind of be like the truth teller to like, let us know that like you, you know, when you have a first person perspective, there's that theme of the unreliable narrator, right. Mm -hmm. Where you feel like you can't always trust what they're saying because their perceptions are only going to be from their one side but then you have that third party character who comes in and says oh this is trash or this is really good and then you can like kind of rely on that person's truth because it's the first time we're getting an outside perspective mm-hmm. and that is so much the dynamic between the high priestess and like your inner self it's like that inner, your inner self-, self knows when you're yes. unreliable <laughs> yes or like you know with like that imposter syndrome like you said earlier like always getting imposter syndrome but you're in but you created you created this like you like you can like feel like oh I like that imposter syndrome I'm not good enough I didn't do this but then like that internal thing is like no you created this entire thing like this is fucking bananas good uh yeah like anyway um let me know if you're tired of me fangirling over all of this no I was like <laughs> like can you come talk to me like when I get rejections on my art or my writing can you <laughs> yeah I'll just show can up I, I'll just listen I'll just re- like re- play this recording and be like I don't suck you don't it's so good it's truly so good and then i so the the last question i have here for for this overall what and this is like such a (laughs) this is me just being whatever but like what are your hopes for this deck like what is your ultimate overall hope for the book in the deck yeah thank you for asking that um i hope that it will make tarot accessible to um to children and meet them where they are. I hope it's something where they can, they can look at this image and I guess without having, you know, gotten an English major, they can, um, 
figure out what this card means to them and that they can, if, you know, if, if tarot work speaks to them, that they can use that as a self-reflection tool, as a tool to grow spiritually, as a tool to, you know, maybe connect with their witchy parents. Um, if, you know, if their, their parents bought them this book and then for folks who, who don't have kids, I hope that this, this book and this deck will encourage them to approach the tarot with the mind of a child. Um, because I, I think again, like going back to like the high priestess and even the fool energy, the wise fool energy, um, even if you are just learning tarot, you are already, you have a lifetime of experience and you have this incredibly special, uh, intuitive, unique perspective to bring to tarot. So if, if you haven't memorized the little white book, um, and you're just, you're bringing your own heart and your own mind into reading the tarot, you have a lot to offer. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, that's what I think of when I think of like a child, a child's eyes um, coming to the tarot. It's so perfect. One of the reasons that I think adults even should like look at look at this book, get this book. It would be like such a really cohesive and good reminder of some archetypes that are very hard to grasp. And if you can grasp them from a child's perspective, then as an adult, it's going to make it much easier to kind of grasp overall. So I mean, like this is a this is a deck created for kids, but like I genuinely feel like this could help adults as well. And one of those reasons is, and this is a perfect segue into this, what you just said, is that in the back of your book, um, you have kind of a breakdown, almost like a like an index or a glossary, if you will, of like, what is tarot? You talk about Pamela Coleman Smith and and Rider Waite. Like you, you kind of break down that. And then my favorite, my all-time favorite thing that you've done here is you you did what if I can't remember what all 78 cards mean? And then you have a list of things that you can do to work yourself through reading a card. Uh, you don't know this, but like I think I mentioned a little bit, like this is the number one question I get asked is like someone who teaches tarot, like how do you read these together? I've done multiple posts on Patreon, like talking about how to break down a reading, like how you, the steps you go through. And this is fucking perfect. Thank this you. A, oh, I'm so glad. It's, it's so good. Like I'll, I won't read the whole thing. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to give away the book here, but like, I mean, like question one, like who or what was pictured in the card? Like what emotions do you feel off the bat? Like such a good thing for even adults who have even more of a blinder, I think, than than children do to kind of get out of their heads and come back to it with such a like break it down to the basics perspective. Yes. Yes. Because whatever you're bringing to to the cards, like it's uh, there, there are no wrong, there's no wrong answer. Like, yeah. especially like you do have to be careful, I guess, when you're reading for other people, but if you're reading for yourself, like whatever's coming up for you is what you should, I think what you should lean into. Right. Yeah. Like, what are you feeling? What were your emotions? What are the colors doing? Like it's, it's so, it's so perfect. This whole book is just like utter. I mean, it's utter perfection. The entire thing. I keep saying that, but I'm like, I'm so serious. Like I, this is something that's going to help not just children understand themselves better and work through things. But I mean, it's also going to help. I think it's going to help adults too. Like I read it and I was like, the wheel of fortune is so good. It's a carousel. Life has ups and downs. It's so perfect. It cycles like, um, it, you, you really had, I think kind of like an intuitive birth with this thing. And 
I'm so excited that when I messaged you, you were like, yes, I'll do that. Not like, what the fuck, Jacqueline, please jump out of my inbox. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm so like, I can't, I can't tell you what an honor it is that you like my book and that you are, you know, generously like sharing your time and your audience and your amazing podcast. Um, <laughs> like, no, thank you. Thank you. I'm it's it's utter perfection like absolutely just perfect i'm so excited to see what you create next and like what you do and like what you because i will be the first person on that kickstarter or whatever like i'm absolutely obsessed and i'm so thankful to you for your time because i did have to reschedule this due to like family emergency stuff and you were so generous and kind to me and i was like could not get more unprofessional with that right there but i'm very appreciative of you and your time and talking to me about this and your creative process with it um yeah, I just, I could not, I just could not love you more. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Likewise. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, everybody, I am going to, Sarah, where can they find you? I'm going to have so much in the show notes um, for people to find. Like, I'm going to tag your Instagram and awesome. Moondust Press and the link for the Kickstarter, all of that. But is there any other, any other place they can find you or your work? Yeah, um, I have a, a website. It's Sarah with an H. So S-A-R-A-H-G-Beck.com. Um, so I have some info there and you can sign up. I have, I co-write a newsletter um, with Kathleen Converse and Ariel Cusby. And it's just like a quarterly newsletter about witchy things to do um with your family especially if you have kids um and then i'm on instagram at nine underscore of underscore wands yes i'm gonna tag your instagram i'm gonna tag you said sarah g beck.com or sarah mm -hmm. j g? sarah g g, sarah g. okay mm -hmm. so i am going to have that in all of the show notes so you can go through and Find Sarah and all your work, and I'm going to go sign up for your newsletter. <laughs> See what you're doing with there. It has been an absolute honor to have you on. I'm gonna end the. I'm gonna end the recording, and then I'm gonna check in with you really quick. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed the interview with Sarah Beck. As we all know, this is the part of the podcast where I come out and I do current events part two. It, it April Fools. Um, it is the collective reading. The collective reading this coming week is the reverse lovers. It, going into this week, I think it is very, very extra important. I I think kind of the lovers here in reverse is literally saying create tiny Edens. I am a firm believer that we could create heaven, paradise, Edens on earth by showing those around us unconditional love. Now, this does not mean love the people who are trying to take away your rights. No, sometimes love means getting really fucking pissed off and flipping tables, okay? And demanding justice where we can. Um, sometimes loving others looks like seeing someone really struggling at work and being extra kind to them and tipping a little, you know, a, an extra dollar or two dollars. Just something to make their next interaction a little bit more lovely, something to give them enough of a pick-me-up. Because kindness is truly, it's a, it's a chain event. If we all just loved unconditionally and we followed the concept of just loving, we could, we could, as, as, 
as a species, right, we could stop global warming if we just loved our planet and loved the life here. We could stop transphobia, homophobia. We could stop racism. We could actively create utopia here on Earth. Unfortunately, it, that's really hard to do because following unconditional love is is a hard for a lot of people who have grown in hate. Loving and following the concept of unconditional love is supplying grace when you don't feel like giving grace. It feels like giving money to the marginalized. It looks like hearing somebody being transphobic or racist and getting in their face and escorting them away from the person that they are spewing hate at. It looks like protesting where you can. It looks like demanding gun reform. It's not, it's it's a pipe dream and I get it. But for the next week, I think the world could use a lot of following unconditional love. That doesn't mean forgiving those who have abused or hurt us because you also need to show unconditional love to yourself, forgiveness to yourself, stand up for yourself, get angry for you. Um, I hope you guys kind of get my gist. I'll leave it at that. Unconditional love, y'all. If we all followed it, we could create little mini Edens. And I think that we can do it. It's attainable little pockets of paradise. So yeah. All right. I love you all. I love you all so much. I hope that I hope that everyone listening is affected by none of the things, none of the awful things happening in the world, but I just know that there are and know that I'm here if you need an ear message me. Um, Let me know. If you need help contacting representatives, there is an app that I shared in my story. I'll go ahead and share that app again Um, in my stories this week on Instagram. My Instagram is at Awaken Tarot. I will do my very best to provide resources. If you don't have the ability to download that app and you still want to call or contact your representatives, but you don't know who they are, I will research it for you. I will find it for you. I will write you out a script. I will email all of that to you and I will make it as easy as possible. I really will. I have done it. I will do it. I It makes me feel useful when I've exhausted all options that I can physically do. So you're not putting me out. You're making me feel useful. And it's a win-win situation because we have people calling their representatives or contacting them or emailing them. Okay. Um, I love you all. And I hope that you enjoyed this absolutely fun fucking interview that I got to do with Sarah Beck. Bye. Is that what you're going to call it, though? Is that what you're going to call it? Do I get to name it? Stars and shit. Hey everybody, welcome to Stars and Shit, your monthly dose of astrology with Gabe. Since this is a tarot podcast, I'm going to talk about a couple transits and aspects for the month of April, and then give some ideas for readings that you can do based on the planets and symbolism. Uh, Firstly, I'd like to apologize for the audio on last episode. It was a little spotty and some breaths were weird. I had some trouble with some software, but hopefully it's fixed now. Um, hard to follow a doozy like this, uh, episode and interview, even the last two episodes, uh, with both of the interviews with Moondust, um, were super cool. So I'll just get into it here. Uh, the first thing that we have is a Jupiter-Sun conjunction with Venus trining Pluto. Um, Jupiter is in Aries with the Sun and they will be, they will be together at the 29th degree of Aries. I'm getting some I have a dream speech vibes from this combination. Um, like 
the restlessness or restlessness that we have um, within ourselves or within the, the our community um, needs to be addressed. Um, Jupiter is combust for most of April. And what that means is that it's a planet that's hanging around the sun. Um, whenever, whenever a planet comes into contact at the exact degree of the sun, it's called Kazemi, um, which kind of gives that planet a little bit more gusto. But until that point um, in, the, in the parts surrounding it, it's called combustion. And this combination points to a signal that might be clear for a short time. A time to clear things up or explain or take a stand for or against something. Um, Jupiter and the Sun are very proud into Aries and may be likely to act on their virtues for better or for worse. Um, Venus in Gemini trining Pluto um, just basically um, would remind us that using the right words will have some power. My idea for working with this aspect is to do a, a quick reading for yourself on the right words and then use this as motivation to draft and send an email, make a phone call, or send a letter to local government representative or the federal government about an issue that you have strong feelings about. Unfortunately, there are many to choose from right now, and um, feel free to do as much as you'd like there. I think this is a good time for it to really make an impact and help those who need it. And, and then soak up that feeling of accomplishment. Um, this is a very optimistic combination. But again, we could get lost in the virtue. So we need to incorporate some balance and use the right words. I also think just as a whole, it's easy to get stuck in your head. Tarot, astrology, um, specifically on this pod podcast. Um, and personally, I like to try and find practical ways to imp implement this practice, um, as well as um, the internal journeys that we all are taking. I also think it helps to normalize what can be sometimes considered taboo. As always, just reminding that these reading ideas are just my suggestions about how to use tarot and astrology and apply them to your life. So the next thing that we have is kind of a big one. It's a solar eclipse, and this eclipse will be square Pluto. Not perfect, but close. And then immediately after this eclipse, almost hours later, the sun will move into Taurus, and Mercury will then go retrograde um, a couple, I think about a day and a half later. So first I want to briefly explain eclipses for those of you that um, may not understand the astronomy behind it. An eclipse is when the sun and the moon come into contact with one or both of the lunar nodes. Uh, the lunar nodes are measured by where the moon's, the moon's path around the Earth intercept the ecliptic, which is the Earth's path around the sun. And there are many diagrams online that you can look at to get a visual. I know it's hard just on my very dry explanation. Um, but remember that the Earth is on a tilt, and so both of those rings traveling around both of these celestial bodies are not parallel. Um, so they only happen twice a year. So it is eclipse season, as they, as they would say. And um, the next eclipse season will be sometime in late fall. Eclipses in astrology are like a super-powered lunation, or, or moon cycle, moon event. Um, in this case, it's a new moon, which means that it is a solar eclipse. 
So when we combine this with what was happening earlier in the month with Sun-Jupiter, remember that Jupiter will then be past the Sun and combust. And the Sun very close into moving into Taurus, Mercury very close to going into retrograde. And so we're, we're at a point where there's like a cork in a bottle that's about to pop off. And it might be really tempting to just take your giant knife and slice it and spray champagne everywhere. Symbolically speaking, of course. Um, some other things that might come up are um, like boldly going where no one has gone before, um, really needing to finally follow your heart on something, um, and then things boiling over, or um, finding out some really profound things that you didn't know that were kind of hidden beneath the surface. That's, that's Pluto peeking in with some of this. So I had a hard time coming up with a reading or an exercise to do with, with this energy right here. Um, I think a lot of it is play it safe, stay in the slow lane, keep your head down if you need to, and, and have an escape plan, I think, um, is, is something that I, that I wrote down in, in my own forecast notes. But um, I also think that to work with this energy productively, um, balancing that advice with also doing a reading on what does following your heart actually mean? You know, can you, can you pull some cards to um, clarify a little bit? about what you actually want and then be prepared for perhaps something unexpected sometimes sometimes things end abruptly and start very quickly all at the same time um, with transits like these and um and then other times they are uh, a very slow a very slow burn um the consensus with this transit being at the very last degrees of degrees of aries is that it's that it could be very abrupt and like in the news that day um not making predictions at all it's just i'm just kind of repeating what i have heard and passing it on to you guys so i hope that was informative and helpful and that you enjoyed this super extra long episode i had a blast editing it and listening to everything that's going on um please let us know if we can help with anything um, regarding contacting any representatives, and uh, we will see you next week.